This is Adam from Unstoppable Acting Studio in Scotland. And this is Jared from Actors Approach in America. And together, we are two guys talking craft. A one-hour podcast where we talk about the craft of acting. Explore the various acting techniques from all the master acting teachers. And help you grow your acting skills. Two guys talking craft. Two guys talking craft. It sounds much better when Adam says it. Yeah, it does. This is Two Guys Talking Craft. A little while. We're back. Two Guys Talking Craft are back. We haven't been around the past couple of weeks. We had a little uh, time off. First time in about over a year uh, that we've had time off of these uh, fortnightly episodes. But we're back with a bang. We're excited and we can't wait uh, to dive into sharing with you uh, all about creating memorable and dynamic characters this evening. Uh, I'll be joined in a moment by Jared from Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox. And uh, actually, I think let's just wait, will we, for him to come in, come in about it. Here he comes. Hey, Jared. Hey, how are you? Doing very well. All the better for seeing you, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I feel like I'm coming in a little dark. I'm going gonna... Beautiful that background there, though. Lovely. Lighting leaves. I, I can't complain, my friend. I'm, I'm really excited to be back. Hello, everybody that's just joining us here in the live as well. Uh, Ayush, uh, welcome. Indra's here. Thanks, Indra, for coming on in. Um, all of you that are coming to join us right now, we're super excited to have you, right, Jared? Oh, gosh. I missed you. I missed these conversations. I miss people joining in and, and uh, having a good time with us. So yeah, hope you're well. Yeah, mate, yeah, you, how are you doing? It's been a, I, I may get weepy a little bit, you know, here, it's been a rough couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit, you know, as we jump into this. Absolutely, no, 100%, yeah. But yeah, so uh, hungering to just sit down and talk about the craft with you and just, Get back into the swing of things. Episode 32. It's insane. It's it is insane, my friend. It is mental. We're getting love hearts popping up on the chat here. Thank you very much, the love hearts gang. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, Jared, on that note, I, th I think it's just worth like marking a little milestone. Yeah. Um, we're uploading our latest um, yeah, episodes of the podcast, um, which you can listen to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. We found that we'd hit an amazing 2,000 listeners. and thousand? 2,000. Like, we just feel very humbled by that. Like, it didn't feel that long ago since we had, like, a 1,000 people listen we were amazed by. So yeah. it just, it's amazing to, to share these conversations that Jared and I just love and get so much value from individually with, with so many people around the world. Like, um, yeah, I think we're just very grateful for it, right? Uh, joined us to say hello too. So, hello, hello. hello awesome. Um, and just to share, we got a review in as well, like uh, which I I really loved because it just encapsulated like a lot of what these conversations like stem from and what what it tended to be about. So this is this is from Roman from uh, the US of A, and he says he's an aspiring actor and he loves the podcast. He's uh, heard of all these specific techniques, but uh, didn't feel like reading the huge books on it. Like, like was maybe 
felt a little bit like intimidated by it or whatever. It was just completely natural, Robin. We, we don't blame you. And the podcast breaks down individual acting technique that's out there and fills it with examples in life. And um, yeah, he finds it very helpful to his acting career. And I mean, that was like was so lovely to hear because it's it's a yeah. unintentional thing that's, that's sort of stemmed off there that, that Roman's experiencing that. But um, yeah, it's great. Great to hear. Beautiful. And yeah, so we, we uh, encourage people to share the podcast link, to comment on it, to like it, to share it, you know, just spread the word, you know. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, Jared, like we're in the middle of a little uh, mini series of, of stuff at the yeah. moment. Aren't we? we kicked it off in episode 31 and we were talking about creating realistic emotions but we challenged ourselves because quite often we bang the two guys talking craft drum of saying well there's not one fixed way or one correct way of doing things we've been saying it now for 32 episodes but <laughs> so this, these these little um mini series that we're doing we are challenging ourselves people uh to if we had to pick one craft technique to fulfill a certain obligation as an actor what were we going to pick? And today's episode is all about creating memorable and dynamic characters, right, Jared? Yes, absolutely. We never want to be boxed into a corner where we're forced to only use one technique, but it's a good exercise to really think about in terms of prioritizing how the different techniques that we've explored, that other people explore on their own, how they affect their body and how useful and useful the different techniques are and push comes to shove when all else fails what is your go-to tool to fulfill the work that's in front of you so you always have something available to you mm. it's counterintuitive it's counter it's counter to our philosophy of don't buy into the dogma of uh, just Meisner or just Strasberg or just Adler or just this or just that, that you should have a toolbox available to go in and pick the right tool for the job, uh, regardless of which technique or which, which system of acting they've come from. But what happens if? What ha this is sort of like the, a conversation that I used to have with my kids on like long drives where I would say, okay, if you could only eat one food for breakfast for the rest of your life, what would it be? You could only watch one television show for the rest of your life. What would it be? You know, so it was like those kind of conversations sort of led to uh, the idea for the this little mini series of emotions, character, and then next time will be relationships. Yeah, and it's just to pick up what you were saying there. I'd highly recommend any actor to go through this process because what it does align with what you find is really really important to you. But I also sort of shows you what is probably your go-to thing and what you'd gravitate towards more. And then, like, do you want to explore some different things that might open up some different possibilities to you someday? Um, but it's very valuable indeed. And, and I guess what we're going to do is lay out a menu of options, first of all, for people to feast their eyes on, choose through, maybe think, you know, oh, I might, I might fancy a little bit of that on my plate or a little bit of this on my plate. And then we'll reveal ours at the end. But we also welcome people to share their opinions, their thoughts on these techniques. Has it been useful to them? Hasn't it been as we go through the chat today too, right? Yeah, m most definitely. Yeah, we're, we'll pose some questions throughout and look for some, some interaction. Um, yeah. But I, I want to uh, just sort of, I, I didn't tell you about this, but I just sort of want to go sideways for a moment. Absolutely. Talk, we took a break um, for a little bit 
um, and then come back. And, and then also, <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit it, but you know, uh, I'm an actor 24-7, 365. So uh, very sad. My stepdad uh, was sick, went into the hospital. He actually got COVID in the hospital. He didn't go in with COVID, but he got COVID when he went into the hospital. And um, tragically, he passed away. While my mom was in the hospital visiting him, she also got COVID. Um, they live in Florida. So they shipped his body up from Florida to Philadelphia to have the funeral, but my mom couldn't travel. So I went to the funeral and I just held up my phone and I FaceTimed her in so that she could you know, be there virtually. And then the next day I got on a plane and I went down to Florida and I just, I sat uh, outside her house for a week and just looked at her through the window. We talked on the phone and, you know, we just we sort of relaxed and mourned and talked about, you know, my stepdad and then did a lot of, you know, ad, oh, thanks, Indra, uh, did a lot of, you know, admin stuff for her, you know, bills and things like that. Um, so, you know, I was uh, not in the right headspace to, uh, to, to plug ahead. Um, but here's the selfish thing I was talking about, uh, an actor 24-7. So I'm 50. When I was 19, my dad passed away when he was 46. And at the funeral, as they were lowering the casket, um, so it was on these like metal rollers with these straps and they, they, they spin the rollers and the casket lowers. It was not uh, oiled well. And so it was this constant squeaking sound, like right? this very high pitched shrill of these um, wheels going down as the casket's lowering. And then um, in the Jewish religion, one of the uh, blessings that, that the living can do for the deceased is you take a shovel of the dirt that was unearthed and you begin to shovel the dirt back onto the coffin to, to help them. Um, uh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate the, uh, the kind words. Uh, you know, put the, um, the, the dirt on it as a one last act of, um, you know, respect and, and a gesture. So as a 19-year-old kid, as I was experiencing the sound of the wheels spinning and screeching, and then the thud of the dirt, vroom, vroom, like landing on the, on the coffin, I broke down. And it became embedded in me. It was endowed in me, those two specific sounds of being incredibly distraught. So as an actor, over the years, I have absolutely used sense memory to recreate the sound of the squeak and the, the sound of the dirt hitting the casket in order to evoke in me um, the emotionality of being distraught. So while I was at the funeral, um, I was, you know, had my mom on the, uh, the FaceTime and didn't, I didn't recognize where we were in the actual service. And the sound started to go again. And eventually the dirt went on top of the, the coffin and I was reinvested and re-triggered um, in that, uh, that feeling of being distraught. So feeling sad and mourning for the loss of my stepfather, but instantly being pulled back into an emotion memory experience with my father and it all got commingled. And I had a, like a profoundly deep emotional experience. And so what it made me re realize and remember is sense memory is a so important, it's such a powerful acting craft tool that if you have mastery over sense memory to be able to recreate something external, 
that affects one or more of your senses so that your body responds as if that thing that's not there is actually there, you can use that response in the work. And so while I was all distraught, I was also half of my brain was like being very present and um, reinvesting in that process. Um, and it was all, not being disrespectful, but saying thank you to my stepfather for giving me this one last gift, you know? So yeah, sense memory is just such a beautiful um, acting craft tool. And we're actors 24 seven, 365. And, you know, sometimes even in the most unexpected times, we have these experiences that can then be used later on in our lives and in our work. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, first and foremost, man, like, and I've, I've said already, but my heart uh, yeah. was like, you guys and, and, you, and your family right now, and it just in such a horrible situation. Um, and, and thank you for being vulnerable and, and open yeah. and sharing it, because I, th I think it is such a hugely valuable lesson, right? Like, even in these dark times, like, we can draw upon it for some kind of positive within our, our, our work, but not, but not just on that sort of surface level. Approach. But I guess it's a, a way to approach life, right? That we can use the the palette of everything that comes from our our, our life in, in our work and 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 sort of use it for a sense of of good in a way and, and, and of positivity, right? right. And, and not get ground down by it, um, and and have a a medium to be able to express that, you know. Whereas a lot of people have to hold those things in for years and years and years, and it never gets out, you know. And um, I think it's yeah, it, it, there's so much to unpack from that <laughs> that story that you shared, there, let, let alone the the value of sense memory and stuff like that but i think it's a a valuable thing we have all of us as, as actors to be able to see and approach life that way and have an outlet for for these things you know yeah yeah m most definitely okay so let's close the chapter on that and let's talk about acting craft techniques and tools to help you create memorable and dynamic characters we're gonna it's a mouthful, isn't it? It's a mouthful, huh? but um, <laughs> it's what we're doing. Go through, you know, what 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 some techniques are, where they come from. Um, we'll ask some questions, but ultimately, at the end, you and I. Um, oh, I thank, thank you so much for the other uh, kind words. Thank you. Let's. Uh, well, then we'll reveal. You know, like we said, you know, gun to our head. We've only got one one choice. What would it be, and why? Okay, so. Yeah. I'll I'll pass the virtual microphone over to you. And why don't you Absolutely, yes, my friend. Well, I mean, in our prep for this episode, we've got a whopping list of things we we wanted to give people a little window into. We'll see how far we we get with these through tonight. Um, a lot of these ones we've talked about in more depth in previous episodes to guys talk craft. So feel free to to check those out, and we'll, we'll just give you a little nibble on them tonight. A little look. Ooh. That's, that feels a bit tasty. I want to try that out sometime. Um, or perhaps you've experienced it yourself, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to kick off with uh, an old favorite of the Two Guys Talking Craft podcast. Uh, let, let's talk about animals, will we? Will we talk a bit about that? Animals to create memorable and dynamic characters. Somewhere in the back catalog of Two Guys Talking Craft, there is an episode where I am uh, running about this office as a squirrel. And... Um, <laughs> A very specific squirrel. Yeah, of course, my my red red squirrel, right? It was a, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, if you're listening to it in podcast form, not not as entertaining, but I guess if you want to go back and watch that on Instagram, too, very entertaining. But regardless of that, uh, animals is something that Jared and I quickly, when we we met, started to spark off conversations about, um, because it's one of those that I think when you first hear about it, it can divide opinion. 
people can think that sounds a bit silly. Like, like when I first came to drama school, we got a, a ticket to go to London Zoo and we were asked to go and study uh, the animals. And um, then we had a class for about 90 minutes a week where we'd go into the room and we'd explore how the animals that we observed moved around, how they sounded. And I'll be honest, I, I initially felt very self-conscious about that whole process. I felt a bit of, as we say in the UK, a wally doing that, going about being an animal. Like, I found it hard to engage with it on a, on a serious basis. And I guess what the, re the reason being for me when I was trying to engage with that was I didn't see where it was all going at the time. And I was quite young. I was, I was like 18 at the time. Um, so then what you find is, as you go through this process of once you observe the animal, then you're going to be able to distill it into some characteristics, right? The animals have very specific characteristics that you probably wouldn't be able to access otherwise if you were just trying to manifest that on your, on your own. Like you have this real amazing reference point of, I don't know, for example, one of my animals I studied was a, gib a gibbon that swung gracefully through the trees with her big arms, yeah? And like, as I was swinging through the trees, moving my head and stuff like that, like I was starting to get, um, pose the, the challenge of, well, if this gibbon was in real life, as a human being, what, like who would they be and what, what would they be and what scenario would they be? And I thought, this gibbon was wavy arms and his head, be a really good like DJ, like in a nightclub, you know, like just giving it, like, That's yeah, like, so I, I, I made this given into a, a DJ that was at the decks and like humanized it. And then and it was like, if you could just have 10% given in you, what, what would that look like? And you, you refine it. And then you're like, whoa, how did that happen? Like, I've went from this, this watching an animal to creating and making findings of creating a character that I would have never have found otherwise that were really effective and very dynamic and memorable. And, and like, uh, that's my experience of, of approaching animals, Jared. What, what about yourself? I know you've had a lot of experience with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And very similar, you know, uh, zoos back in the day and a lot of videos. Um, I, I have to give credit for sure to uh, Eric Morris and his approach to animals where he breaks it down into centers of weight, balance and power. Uh, qualities and attributes and limitations of the animals. Some animals can't stand up. Some, you know, you know, don't have arms and legs and just slither on the ground. Um, the voice, the rhythm, and the tempo. Um, and then you add on to that something beyond what Eric Morris, um, you know, developed in his approach to developing characters through ex exploration of animals is the psychology of it. And there's a couple of really cool websites. You can go onto Google and type in something like, uh, uh, what animal am I? And you can take a, an animal personality test. And you know, you sort of answer the questions as the character, you answer the questions as yourself and you, you're pointed to a direction of what the specific animal might be and the psychology of it and why. And then all of that physical and emotional and voice and the psychology of it all put together, you, you then translate that into human terms. We never want to be on stage and be so noticeable that I am a gibbon or I am an elephant. But we, we want to bring out realistic human behavior that's appropriate for the character in those given circumstances that has the foundation of the core essence of that animal. And you end up with these really unique individuals that would have never existed and would also would exist very differently if I was instead of a gibbon, if I was a, you know, a, a rat 
or a squirrel or something like that. So yeah, animals is a wonderful tool. Uh, don't be shy, jump in, you know, the deep end and go explore them. Yeah. And, and that was back. Uh, thank you very much for joining us again. Finding out what uh, animal your character would be adds a great deal to the way the character moves on stage, even yeah. how they sound. And you're so right. You've hit the nail on the head there. And, and like, it's true to life, right? Like, like, you can go around and observe some very snaky looking humans, right? Like um, you, you've had some profound experiences. And I think um, last time we spoke about this on, on the podcast, it was an alligator for one of your characters that you, you explored. Yeah. Like Malcolm the rapist and, you know, from the Louisiana Bayou. And it was only from the exploration of a crocodile uh, did the physical mannerisms, the weight, the movement, the rhythm and the tempo of the movements, the qualities, and then the voice, you know, how, how I would snap on some words, you know, and I, I, would, I would chew my words and I would snap forward and I would, you know, hunker down in and I would, you know, yeah, like the whole essence. Of, I'm not allowed to do that character in public. My wife was... Uh, Completely repulsed by him so the whole costume and the fake teeth they're they're in a, a suitcase in my basement in my house and uh when we when we argue i tell her i'm gonna go get malcolm out of the suitcase, <laughs> out of the suitcase. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my last play i used uh, the animal as a a, ba a baby fawn like a baby deer in order to help me find like unstable legs which made me then move in a very different way, uh, pranced around a little bit, did not have uh, the power and the groundedness as I, you know, normally would. And so, yeah, it's a, a beautiful technique. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and quite a diverse range there that you've explored, right? You went for the crocodile, then you went for the baby fawn, like, and I guess it's, it's endless what you can explore with this. And there's just no getting around that, that stage, I guess, of becoming comfortable with just roaming about, moving around. How would they get up on a chair? How would they get up on a Like, you can't get do this without getting past that stage. Don't think you can miss it and just go straight to the human qualities. Like, I really think you've got to play around with the pure animalistic qualities too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Ben from uh, The Dot Breach, who, by the way, you know, a fantastic podcast, great work Ben's doing, uh, says, I think it's a great tool to identify point of view as prey or predator. Yeah, I mean, it puts you into um, different statuses, uh, different positions, different relationships. And so if I, if I develop a character based upon a bunny rabbit, I'm going to relate to the other characters in the play vastly different than if I developed a character as a, a wolf or a hyena, right? The, depending upon the psychology and the, and the physicality of those animals, uh, it will put me into a state where I... Um, attack, retreat, defend, prowl. Yeah, it's, it's all yeah. part of it. Great point, great point. So, I mean, that's that's a little taster of, of animals. Uh, we, do, we do have a whole episode about animals, if you check out the, the, the back catalog, we talk about it for the whole hour. Um, so, I mean, we've touched on this one, the rhythm and tempo, Jared, where we go a little bit into that. And I think you're much more well-versed in the world of Chekhov than, than I am. Maybe, maybe I can give a little intro into, like, Maybe like Stanislavski's view on rhythm and tempo, maybe a bit more about the um yeah, the theory behind it, and then we can dive into to some of the, the Chekhov stuff, yeah. Um so we mentioned this in a previous episode that uh, the tempo is the speed of, of carrying something out and, and the rhythms would be the intensity of, of carrying um something out. And like that we can have both an inner tempo and, a, and an outer tempo uh, going on as well. Like um 
quite often people think of rhythm and tempo and think of it just purely external. Um, but there's so much to be found in the the inner tempo and, and rhythm as well. And um, some people say, well, if I if I'm still like, how can I find like a, a rhythm and tempo if like I'm not moving? That doesn't really make sense to me. But even your breath, right, can be based on the on the rhythm and tempo. And like like oh like think of this example. And I think we said it in a, a previous episode as well. Like how you stand with a mouse in front of you and how you stand with like a, a lion like standing in front of you, you've got a very different rhythm and tempo. Even if you're completely still, there's a different rhythm and tempo happening within your 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 body. Um and I guess it's um it is a movement based one, like that we're talking here to access character. But just never like my point on it is like never forget about the, the inner sort of stuff going on as well. Um, we got a comment here, Jared. Uh, yes. So um, Elma's going back to the comment um, based upon um, Ben's comment earlier about um, predator and predator. most definitely. So you know the comment is you you can't be all one thing for the entire you know production. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. Depending upon the actual circumstances in that moment, there is a push and a pull. And so certainly one animal can be the foundation upon which you build the character, but that doesn't mean that you should close the door that in different circumstances while relating to different people throughout the script that you don't change, right? You're, you as an actor need to make intelligent decisions in order to be faithful to the character, to the vision of the director, uh, as you know, to, to tell the story as the ensemble, to not necessarily just get locked into one thing. So there may be uh, for you know, half the play, you're this one animal, something happens that completely changes the, uh, the character and then the second half, you're a different animal. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, just picking picking back up on the, the the rhythm and tempo as well. I, I guess it's this thing: the the moment we change our rhythm and tempo as actors, it, it just has this it, uh, amazing effect, right? That it begins to affect the emotions that we feel. It begins to affect the breath. It begins to affect all, all sorts. Like is is encompassed just by simply sort of exploring the rhythm and we can pick up a lot maybe about rhythm and tempo from a text as well right like we can figure out like what kind of rhythm and tempo our character might speak in based on punctuation and and things like that and i feel like jared in the checkoff or you're going to talk a bit more about like how we can uh, use rhythm and tempo in our speeches as well a little bit right uh yeah i mean certainly and i i was just thinking about um iambic pentameter and how you can, if you're faithful to Shakespeare's iambic pentameter and you allow it to take hold of you, the imagery in the words along with the rhythm and the tempo in the words will ultimately help you discover and evolve that character. Um, so I wanna go back to the inner and the outer tempo, uh, rhythm and tempo. The, one of the great examples is uh, a duck on a lake so it looks like the duck is just, you know, uh, let's see, like, you know, fl floating along the, uh, you know, the, the, the river, but, but underneath it's, you know, it, it's, it's moving its legs, you know, so, so, so fast. And so that's like the, the unseen, the, the, inner, the inner tempo. And I'm thinking about uh, Al Pacino as Michael Corleone in The First Godfather when he's in the restaurant and he's just, right, he's still, but he's burning inside, right? And he, you know, obviously goes, I'm not ruining it, everybody's seen, you know, everybody's seen it. No, nah, they've had 50 years to see that film. If you've not seen it, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's the, you know, 
rhythm and the tempo there. So one wonderful exercise that actors can do in order to help you understand how physical rhythm and tempo changes you into different characters is by simply walking in different uh, stride length and stride speeds. So you can sort of make a grid where you have stride length of short, regular, and long, and then stride speeds of slow, regular, and fast. And so you sort of mix and match. And so if, you know, the people that are watching, if you want to walk around the room in a, uh, a, a short stride length really fast, it's going to create something in you that will be vastly different if you move from short steps quickly into long steps quickly. There's going to create something in you. And so you can base your entire character on the way that they walk, the way the rhythm and the tempo of the way that they walk. Uh, George Jefferson from the Jeffersons, you know, famous TV show, you know, in the U.S. in the like, you know, seventies and eighties, um, he he would walk. You know, he had a very specific rhythm and a tempo the way that he walked, and it was just it was bravado, it was power, it was like a peacock. You know, it was just great. It was great. Uh, yeah, so rhythms and tempos definitely affect how you feel. But in terms of tying it to the character, think about rhythm and tempo in the speech, the speech pattern. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis speaking as Abraham Lincoln, you know, that particular speech pattern creates a very unique character. Um, I mean, pick, pick any sort of like surfer bum uh, you know, druggy guy on the beach in California, like, hey, man, I'm just <laughs> out here, you know, enjoying the surf, right? So your speech pattern and your movements, the rhythm and the tempos in the, uh, it will definitely help you um, create those characters as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's I, I think, um, to follow them with this point from earlier on, like, you know, and it, it probably never just one thing either, right? You probably want to explore those, those, those speech patterns a little bit and, and see what, what happens and uh, what feels right and um, don't jump to your first sort of in instinct of what might um, work. I mean, I, like I know naturally, it was very nice that how I speak is quite choppy and quite... Yeah. yeah, yeah, especially when I'm on like podcast format, I'm like rattling off information, yeah. Um, and it's just about that as well, I guess, have, having a, a natural awareness of what your your natural go-to sort of rhythm of speech is, and then like, oh, like decide to make okay. a choice on it. That's a really good point to bring up. So a lot of times uh, directors and actors are in conflict and uh, untrained actors will say things to a director like, uh, that's not how I would do it. I don't, I don't feel like the character would do that. That doesn't feel natural for me. Well, it may be because you, the actor, are imposing yourself on top of the character and laying your rhythm and tempo on top of it as opposed to getting yourself out of the way and discovering the rhythm and tempo of the character based upon the data in the script, the script analysis, which I'm sure we'll get to momentarily, you know, to, to develop characters. Um, and find the character's rhythm and tempo. The director doesn't care necessarily how you would do it. He cares how the character would do it based upon his vision or her vision. So 
get yourself out of the way, be faithful to the script and find the character's rhythm and tempo in order to develop that memorable character. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and even if it's not your natural way of doing it, you can still find truth in your, in your way of doing it, right? Like there's still a way to um, find that. But um, no, lovely. Yeah, lovely little meander in the rhythm and tempo there. Uh, we haven't actually done an episode on rhythm and tempo on its own. I, I think we've spoke about it intellectually, but maybe we'll do a little episode sometime down the line on, on that one. Um, since you mentioned it, script yeah. analysis, yeah, shall we? Yeah, so if you know Jared and I, you'll know that we're massive fans of the preparation side of, of acting. It's sitting down and doing some heavy-duty text work. Like, as actors, we, we love standing up, getting in the room and actually... Um, doing it you know like like doing the acting but uh we are big believers in doing the work beforehand before you step into the room because it just makes that time in the room so much easier so much more valuable uh to, to your time if you sit down and do some deep rooted work with your your text and and analyzing the script it doesn't mean just reading it once it doesn't mean reading it twice it means looking at it through an analytical eye, seeing the bigger picture, not just seeing where your character fits into the script, but seeing where the other characters fit in, what themes there are within the um, script that you're working on as well. It's kind of removing yourself as an individual from that world and looking at the whole world of the of the text and then putting yourself in afterwards. It's a big undertaking and it takes a while to do. And I think that's what puts a lot of people off with it. But once you unpick some things about the world of the play you're in everything else seems to sort of gel together when you start to make choices as a, an actor when you perform script analysis is vital and essential and truly only lazy actors are the ones that don't do it um, every intelligent actor that has some um, some form of success has spent some time figuring things out with the script, the character analysis, the script analysis. It, it, it must be done. If not, then really what you're doing is you're acting concept and you may be far off of the path of what the intentions are of the script writer and ultimately the director's vision as well. Um, from a character perspective, I, I always say that there's a, a three-legged stool of questions to ask in order to help you begin to build the foundation of your character. And those questions are, what do I say about myself? Right? So how does the character describe themselves in the text of the script? Two, what do others say about me? So the other characters and also commentary that's out there, you know, outside of the script. But how do the others um, portray me? And then the third stool is, what do I do? How do I behave? How do I, how do I interact with the world around me? So if I understand how I see myself, how the world sees me, and how I behave in the world, it can give me a 360 degree view to begin to build what I believe to be the character based upon data and facts as opposed to just concepts. And so if I, the uh, character, describe myself like this, I'm putting my hand up high, and the other characters in the, in the play describe me like that, I'm putting my hand down low, 
that tells me that I do not, the character does not have a, a high level of self-awareness of how the world perceives them. The actor needs to know that in order to make intelligent choices. Because if you only behave the way you see yourself, then when the other characters say things about you that don't align with the way that you're actually creating and behaving on stage in front of the camera, the lines that come out from the mouths of the other characters are not going to make any sense. So you, the actor, need to be able to create both what you see as yourself as well as what the others see as you. And mm -hmm. so it becomes so important. Script analysis and character analysis is an essential part of developing characters. Man, I'm such an acting craft geek. I'm getting so excited when you say these things. I'm like, yes. Um, but um, yeah, like, it's so funny you said, like, because before you we met that as a thing that I did with a, a script and um, the, the only difference being like your third thing is how the character behaves, how the character, yeah. yeah. Job, right? I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a priest, right? Uh, that's, that's just my job, but you know, am I faithful? Am I loyal? Am I trustworthy? Am I deceitful? Do, do mm. I call when they're, uh, when they're down or do I dismiss them, right? Mm. How I treat people how do i relate to the world yeah uh, yeah needs to be part of the discussion no that's, that's beautiful the, the one i did instead of that one um it's like what the character says about others um and what the other characters say about me my character right so like i think it's, it, it, i love your um if they're self-aware or not so i think like the thing i really love about like what do they say about other characters and what does the character say about themselves is yeah. how many times they use the word I mm -hmm. and how many times they use the word like you about other people. Do they even have an awareness of other people? Do they even speak about them or are they completely self-obsessed or are they constantly speaking to others or giving to others or um, thinking of others and not really thinking about themselves? And sure. it's data. Like, I love that you brought up data. It is literal fact, black and white data that you can use to inform you of what the writer's intentions were about your character and trust me, it takes a little while to do this, right? Like, especially if you're in a play and it's like got three acts to do this exercise, it takes forever. But then once you've done it, man, that is a powerful use of um, time and, and, and as an actor that you can then bring into your work. Like, it's never wasted. Totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. Yeah. We love it. Do do the script analysis and the character analysis, people. Hey, Joanne, thank you for joining us. Joanne says, hi, how is everyone tonight? I think we're doing, we're doing well. We're on the character uh, train, uh, sharing some character techniques here. So, um, lovely. Moving on? I think moving along. We're doing well. I'm, I'm, like, we're probably moving along these things. Let's do back-to-back -back, uh, checkoff uh, where we're talking about um, areas of focus and uh, centers. We'll do cool. uh, So... Uh, Michael Chekhov, obviously, you know, aligned with Stanislavski and then went on to create his own system. Beautiful, elegant system of acting. Highly recommend studying it. So uh, areas of focus. There's three general areas of focus. I can direct all of my energy and my thoughts inward. Um, Self-realizations. Uh, contemplating things inside myself, but everything is like, I'm, I'm, I'm always working inward. The second area of focus is directly to the other person or directly to the other people. 
it's never self-reflective. It's always, it's, it's one way. It's me to you or me outward to, you know, to the other people. And then the third area of focus is just out to the universe, to God, to mother nature, to energy, just, just put it out there to the universe. And you can create how the world sees this character based upon where you point your energy. Am I always, you know, am I always just stuck inside my head, you know, just trying to figure things out, you know? Am I always just, no, you need to do this, or I care for you, right? It's all, you know, directed to other people who are like, I've got no control over anything. I, I, I'm, I give it all over to you. I, I, you know, I, 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 I have no control of my life and just whatever happens, happens. And if you make conscious choices about when in the script you choose to point the energy inward, outward, or to the universe, you then develop moments of very specific characters that are memorable and dynamic. Mm. So what, mm. What's on that? And, and sometimes just playing to cycle through the three, right? Like is, is, is incredibly effective as well. You make discoveries that you wouldn't have otherwise. Like a line that just feels naturally logically like maybe out to everyone let's do what I brought on and said to yourself it's for well yeah let's so let's do it so i'll i'll, I'll give you a line and everybody else you know do, do this at home um okay your line is i just don't understand what's happening okay i just don't understand what's happening i, I just don't to, understand what's happening yeah say the line three times first really asking yourself that question and try to figure it out and point that energy inward. I just don't understand what's happening. Next, direct it directly to, you know, if there's somebody in the room with you or Adam, you know, you to me, uh, directly, you know, to try to get the answer to that from the other person. And then third, say it again and just put it out to the universe and see what happens. You'll end up creating three vastly different points of view, which are um, viewed by the, the audience as character. So, Great. Are you ready, people at home? I just don't understand what's happening, is the yeah. line. Yeah, Here we so, go. Right. So, inward first, yeah? Just don't understand what's happening. Do it again and keep on searching that. Say that line a couple of times yeah. and keep pointing it inward. Just don't understand what's happening. Just don't understand what's happening. Just don't understand what's happening. I'm having you do it a couple of times to lead me into the next uh, exercise. So now put it out to me or put it out to, you know, to, to, uh, to Carrie if she's there, someone. I just don't understand what's happening. I just don't understand what's happening. I, I just don't understand what's happening. I just don't understand what's happening. I just don't understand what's happening. Okay, and now out to the universe. Oh, I just don't understand what's happening. I, I just don't understand what's happening. I just don't understand what's happening. This is so enjoyable. <laughs> it's great, it? it's lovely. It's so simple in essence, yeah. but really effective in so many layers to explore um, through it, you know, just with that one little thing in it. It's like, wow, um, it's, it's incredible. It's great. So we perceive you, uh, so Elma, yeah, this is, this, it's a great exercise. Um, we perceive you differently based upon where you're putting energy. 
mm. come across as a different character uh, each time. Yeah. The reason yeah. why I cycled through it a few times was so that you could find the energy in your, the next one with Michael Chekhov is centers, your thinker center, your feeler center, and your doer center, your thoughts, your heart, and your guts. And you, when you were pointing it inward, right? I just don't understand what's happening. You actually went to trying to make sense of it. You went to your heart for a bit to figure things out. And then like, you're like, this is, this is my life. You know, it went to your guts. You know, mm -hmm. when you put it out there, it was first from your guts. It was aggressive. Like, well, well I'm not doing it. Like you were blaming me for doing it. Right. And then all of a sudden it became humorous. Like, look, we're, we're in this together. Right. And then it was bigger out to the universe. Right. It was from mm -hmm. your guts. It was from your head. Like, I can't even make sense of it. Yeah. By so, yeah. pointing the energy areas of focus in to you out to the universe and then marrying that with centers thinker center people they question they contemplate they they teach they analyze feeler center people in your heart right they're the ones that uh, negatively oh, you know all, oh woe is me or they're very loving and generous and then feeler people from people from their guts they take action it's instinct and all of those equals memorable and dynamic characters and you as an actor should make a conscious choice is your character someone that points everything inside to their heart, points everything inside to their guts, points everything inside to their head, sends it out to you from your heart very generously or aggressively from your, from your doer center or puts it out to the universe. You know, God, I, I have faith. I believe in everything that you're going to bring into my life. I am open to receive whatever blessings you have for me, right? I'm putting out the universe from my feeler center. Lovely. Nice. Beautiful. Um, Joanne, thanks so much for saying she's learning a lot. Uh, thank you very much, Joanne. In prep for tonight, Janet, because you, you always marvel by your encyclopedic knowledge of uh, acting technique. Like, I, I just, uh, I, I aspire to be there one day to be able to rattle off uh, the, the expanded knowledge that you have on this stuff. But I actually went on Actors Approach to get, I think you define on Actors Approach um, toolbox uh, the exact qualities, I know you touched on them, but like, so the feeler center, um, sorry, I'll start with the thinker. The thinker center, you already mentioned it's like analytical. It says they think, they question, contemplate, explain, teach, and calculate. That's the sort of thinker center. Is, 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 I'm right in saying this is, this is from, from you say, yeah. Um, feeler center, they have the qualities of, of loving, volunteering, sharing, suffering, wallowing, crumbling, and guilt the feeler center so like i guess all those ones that are related to the that you feel really in, in your heart all those emotions don't you and then then your doer center not only related to the gut right but the crotch area as well a little bit yeah um and yeah. their qualities are to attack to confront to react yeah. to protect flee and seduce um it's interesting yeah there's something in yeah again going back to that aligning with which one you naturally gravitate towards as, as a person as well, because the, it, it's that same thing about the speech patterns we were talking about earlier on, right? You go into the room with the director um, and you're like, oh, it doesn't feel right to me or it doesn't feel like it's natural to me. Like you need to understand yourself, but, but not be afraid to get your natural sort of preferences out of the way and explore those other aspects. Because I, I guarantee you, you do have those other things in you. It's just maybe not where you naturally default to, right? 
exactly right yeah what's what's your default core center and how does it differ from the characters i think if you can if you can uh determine if you happen to have the same core center a thinker center feeler center a doer center as the character then in the rehearsal process you could reasonably assume that your natural instincts of what is happening in the moment would probably align to what the character would be doing too. But mm. if you're mostly a gut person, a crotch person, an instinct person, a doer, and the person that you're playing is a thinker, then you have to be careful that you don't impose your personal instincts on top of the character, right? You got to make sure that you get yourself out of the way so that you don't and end up creating something that wasn't intended to be created. Mm, mm, no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I hear she says, we have to study lines one by one to figure out uh, whom to say it to, to ourselves or the other one or to the universe. And then she's just put dot, dot, dot. I love acting. I love <laughs> acting too. Yeah, you're in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. I love that. I love that feedback. Um, and just real, real quick on, and um, yeah, we, we've talked about some Chekhov ones. I, I don't know if this is from the world of Chekhov. You have to l let me know or not. But, but this sort of leading centers idea that was one we we mentioned we, yeah. we did sort of speak about tonight. But that's that's not from the world of Chekhov, right? Eric Morris. Eric Morris, and I mean, I I learned this and. I didn't know it was from the world of Eric Morris, but like sort of uh, being led by different body parts, right? Like that your character, and, and it's true to life, right? You just need to watch people on the street, which we highly recommend that you do sometimes safely. Just safely. observe and watch people on the street. Uh, check out, do they look like animals? Check out, do they do this? What we're going to say. Like some people maybe lead themselves through life by their head, yeah, and, and go along, yeah. Uh, some people maybe lead themselves by their chest and, and move through life by their chest. Going back to the crotch, like this is the last mention of the crotch tonight, I think, might lead themselves through through life by the crotch, you know. Like there's there's very various ways that people might lead with as they move their body um, through, uh, you know, life through a situation. And, and it can have very different implications to that person, right? We start reading into them in a different way. But also you feel very different, right? You feel very different to if you're being led by your head or your nose or your your chest uh well, chin's a good one and that chin um like each one will make you just feel a different status feel um your, your breathing will change slightly differently like um how you feel about yourself how you carry yourself just by focusing on that one thing um and and you had a specific sort of way we, we did this on an episode once didn't we we talked about an imaginary line which i think is faithful to eric morris right yeah correct yeah, just draw a line on the floor and walk back and forth several times with different leading centers and see what characters and emotions and statuses uh, are naturally brought out in you by simply crossing that imaginary line with that body part leading first, right? That's the leading centers. It's the first body part that crosses that imaginary line. And yeah, I mean, take political leaders, you know, and you the way that they move very differently you know take um take religious leaders see which body parts they lead with um you know find sports figures that you know that you like and see which body part they lead with yeah it's it's incredible that if i just stick my nose at and you don't actually have to physically do it you can just use your imagination mm. imagine 
that the, the tip of your nose is leading and crossing that line first, or that your chin or that your chest, right? Um, it creates something very powerful in you. Um, the the um, Marvelous Miss Maisel uh, TV show, um, she and the manager had this thing before she would go on stage, they would say, tits up. And so boom, you know, tits up. And now all of a sudden she has all this, you know, confidence that wasn't there the moment before. Boom, tits up, strength, she goes on stage and kills it. Right? Yeah. yeah. So leading center is incredibly powerful. Which uh leading center did Donald Trump have when he was I, going around? Did you notice that? Did you no. observe that? It's too divisive. Who cares? <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for joining us, Elmer. Thank you very much for joining us in the workshop. Um, acting for Joanne is very powerful. Um, yeah, it's a like you're not the person that you are, it's um, like you become a different person. Okay, interesting. Thank you, Joanne. Um, but yeah, we're almost at the end of our little taster menu, a little hors d'oeuvres of um, yeah, character technique for tonight. There's tons more we could dive into, but um. Yeah, we, we'll just give a, a taste of a few more, maybe. Or... Just say some names of them, so we, we won't dive in too much, but um, no. pro prototypes is another one where you embody the energy and the essence of something else. So like an animal could be a prototype, but uh, like a feather, uh, embody the essence of a feather floating in the wind, or um, you know, a gentle, lazy river, or a fire... Uh, raging in a forest, right? And, uh, the, you know, your country's flag flapping uh, proudly in, in the wind, right? It's going to create something memorable in you. So you use a model outside of yourself and you draw on its energy. Mm. The first time I saw that one was when you did it with Noreen and you did a workshop with, uh, in the, with Noreen show about a year ago now or something. And yeah, I think you spent a good bit of time working through prototypes with her. And it's, yeah, it's an incredibly effective sort of uh, tool. And if you've not heard of it or seen it, check that yeah. episode out, definitely. Yeah. yeah, she was one of the uh, first ones that, you know, you and I were connected with her. So yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, substitutions, where you're just embodying the essence of somebody else. You know, you go do, do, do the play as your mom, do the play, your grandmom. And, you know, all of a sudden a whole new character is going to come out. So just substitute somebody and just stand behind them in your imagination, unzip them, step inside, zip it up. And then like, you know, Joanne was just saying, you sort of wear the mask of that other person and you become this other, this other energy. Um, gestures, check off gestures you know, psychological signature gestures. You know, am I a character that's constantly crushing things in front of me? Am I the kind of character that's constantly embracing things in front of me? You know, am I the kind of character that's constantly dismissing things that are in front of me? So if I embody the essence and the energy of the, the psychology of different gestures, you know, somebody who's a tickler, they always just, they, they just like to tickle people, you know, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna behave very differently than if I'm somebody that's a poker, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah true. this all comes into observations too right so that was something that you you had mentioned pay attention as an actor observe the world keep a journal write down your thoughts and ideas follow people safely and get their rhythms and tempos and movements go to the zoo look online you know just do a lot of studying do the script analysis all that good stuff all yeah. right now we're i mean it's it's all interlinked into uh 
a wonderful ecosystem, really, right? You can't you can't touch on one of these things without touching on some of the yeah. others. And like, you know, like you can see from Jared's and I as passion and excitement when we're talking about these things and hearing about them. Like, we are not tied to one of these, like far from it. This is just we stress once again and got into the head exercise of if we had to choose one. Uh, tool for the rest of our lives for a bit of fun. We've, we've sort of chose what, what we're going to do and how, how we're going to how we're going to approach, I guess, uh, creating memorable and dynamic characters. So um, we hate this bit though. Eh? Like, like I love doing it and I love hearing about it, but then I hate the I hate the absolute of like this is this is what it's going to be as well, you know. So um, but it's fun. It's fun. So um, Jan, I went first last time. So do you, do you want to go first on this one, this occasion, yeah. right? So. Uh, we'll have a drum roll. If you're watching at home listening, you can do a little drum roll as well. Jared. Yeah, one tool to create memorable and dynamic character, what would it be? Yeah, without hesitation, animals. Without hesitation. Yeah. I have never developed such unique physical and psychological characters that audience members came up to me and commented on that I was unrecognizable. I had one guy come up to, I, one time I played twin brothers, a good guy and a bad guy. And after the play, one guy came up to me and he said, who was the actor that played the bad guy? And I had played both of them, but I, maybe he was smoking something. I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> I was so unrecognizable to him because I was using the animal. So yeah, for, for me, if I only had one to choose, because I can leverage uh, centers of weight, balance and power, qualities and, and uh, limitations, um, different attributes, physical, the vocal quality, the vocal rhythm and tempo, and then the psychology of the animal. I, I wrap that all up into one. Uh, faithful to what's happening in the script, not sort of just arbitrarily picking you know, any sort of animal. Um, but drawing it out of the script, um, yeah, without hesitation, that would be my my one go-to thing because I think that it's so vast that I'd be able to pick many pieces of it. Wow, no, that's beautiful. That's really nice, really nice explanation as well. And, and you've had some pretty profound experiences. Like you, you yeah. just can can tell, you know, when you tell these stories about about uh, using them. Um, and yeah, like I I wish I've taken it as as far as that of using it in a you know. In, in a role that I, I play, I, I've only ever explored it in a rehearsal and maybe taken it so far and used the elements and stuff. But yeah, like to have it is so an overarching thing. It really is it's so gratifying. Uh, nah. You you become something else. Mm. Mm -hmm. When I used the baby fawn, I change. I physically changed the way that I walked as the character. Me, Jared, as I walk, I'm I'm heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. And as the character, I went toe heel, toe heel, toe heel, because the baby fawn was more on their tippy toes. And it created an entirely different physical being and emotional being in me by just simply adopting a, um, a change in the walk. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, okay. it's brilliant. It's excellent. <laughs> right. Uh, over, over to this end. Right. Okay. I feel a little bit like I've copped out here, but. I've 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 embedded it to a value, to a principle once again, Jared. Like, I think I go, I went in that world before and I thought more of the question of how would I approach uh, creating a character that's memorable and dynamic, right? So I'm not I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get right. So uh, like 
you know me, I'm heavily into the sort of script analysis stuff and heavily into looking at that. So I think that is the springboard that, that I, I come from, is, is looking at that from any approach, from creating authentic emotion to creating a memorable character. It's doing some deep embedded script analysis and script work. I'm marrying that with making bold choices, right? That, that's, my, that's my thing. Making bold choices is a value, is a principle to creating character. I know it's not firmly or strictly a technique, but that, that's like how I want to approach creating these, these characters. Because the reason being, right, and I, I just know from personal experience, and I think this is something that a lot of actors go through as well, that I am so intellectual and logical about like what's going on in the play that I get so sucked into that world of it that I just think about what is right for the character to do. I start getting in that world and start getting in that territory of like, or this would be a right choice for them, or this would be what they do. And it gets in a very safe world, you know? It's, it's maybe like, all right, it's maybe fine as a choice, but it, it's very coherent, very logical. Like, it, it, you use the word a lot, congruent, right? It's very congruent with what, what the text serves. And it, it's not like gonna make me stand out. It's not gonna be memorable and dynamic. It's maybe sort of faithful to how the character is, but it's not fully, fully like as exciting as it as it could be right like so going back to like making bold choices my first ever acting teacher um she, she used to go like a fucking like take a fucking go and, and just like see see what happens and, and make a make a choice and see, see what happens now i'm not for a second saying make bold choices for the sake of making bold choices just go crazy be different and like you know just try and stand out without it being embedded in some truth within the text but what i think embracing bold choices as a philosophy as a, as, a, as a value does is it gets you out of the territory of trying to make right choices and trying to strive for perfectionism which just gets you in your head as an actor and it's so hard to get out of that, that state to finding truth in things that you just never thought was was possible right like um and i think it involves all of these techniques we've been thinking about tonight like and talking about in a way like you can use all of them to explore making uh, bold choices when you're you're there in the rehearsal room and finding what's right and stuff, but it just moves you out of um, the intellectual into like this exciting world of of incongruence, right? Like like of quite often, like when we're angry, you maybe read that on the script and think that you have to stomp your feet and shout and be angry, but quite often when we're angry, looking at rhythm and tempo, right? There's a stillness to us, you know, like maybe like your duck where our hearts beating like mad on the inside, our blood's boiling with rage, and that's our inner temple. But on the outer, like we, we can be as still as, as anything, you know, and that maybe some of these lines are delivered like quite quietly or, or whatever, yeah? Like there's a, a chaos to sadness, you know, like in, in, in sort of a, you know, a manic nature of your fighting and trying to hold back the, the tears as, as well, you know? Like I think there's lots of ways we behave as humans that, that's truthful that maybe like if we tried to do it like if we thought about it and really like tried to consciously make it that that way when we're on the stage like it doesn't quite turn out that way like like we end up giving a general wash of what it's like yeah and i think by embracing trying to unearth bold choices right it, it just brings us out of ourselves and then um, it, it allows us to make discoveries and play and explore and, and find truth. And, and sometimes this is an important part of bold choices as well, right? Sometimes bold choices can be as simple as just being yourself. I know, I know we've often said you have to get yourself out of the way and stuff, but sometimes it's thinking like, 
how you would approach it and how you would do it can be a bold choice in that situation because you might feel drawn into like how you think the character should do it or how you think the director uh, thinks the character sometimes it's doing it your way is, is is a bold choice as well it makes you stand out and it makes you unique um also right um and um yeah on this note as well i was thinking of like bold choices like how bold can somebody go with a choice and it still be truthful and it still be realistic so i, I thought i like gary oldman right like um when he did i can't remember the name of the film now but when he was a pimp he was a jamaican pimp his eye was like oh you know you know which film i mean in jared and he's got the dreadlocks he's like a pimp drug dealer true romance that's the name of the film. true romance from the 90s um and he went for it like he was on the screen for 10 minutes and like because he, he, he like got inspiration from various parts of his life for this character right and, and, and it was from truthful places but he went very cold with, with his choices for it and it's so memorable that role you know and All i think of, um he's, the, a, he's a chameleon oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as an actor in general, right? He's 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 bold. Um, Joaquin Phoenix doing doing the Joker, right? Like um, his bold choices, right? Doing that just brought such truth and realism to like why that character ended up being the character that he is. Like like all through it, his his behavior. How I'm sure he used animals and stuff like that to explore some of the choices as to how he he moved around his apartment and all that stuff. But you'd really believe when he was putting on that face paint and finally becoming, you know, the, the Joker and all that stuff near the end of the film. This guy is the is the Joker. He's the real deal, you know. Like, um, and I, yeah, I feel I feel bad in a way that it's not a technique, Jared. But I feel it's just a point that that when I started exploring what what's truthful to 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 me when when we create characters is. Is that because it's allowed me to come out of myself a lot more as, a, as an actor. It's allowed me to remove my ego a little bit, you know, as well, and just feel comfortable with coming out and exploring these techniques that feeling it's okay to embrace being bold and, and using bold choices. That's it. That's me. That's me done. <laughs> I love it. So while you were talking, we had uh, two comments. So Archie says, I'm literally working on an angry monologue. And I'm now going to try it with more inner anger rather than physically showing it. Thank you. Yeah, um, Archie, think about when we are sad in life, about to break down crying, we do everything that we can to contain it, to manage it, to not just let it all out when we're in public. It's only actors that think on stage erupting in these tears, in this, you know, this, this rage is what is going to be memorable. No, it's, it's the exact opposite. So yeah, um, spend more time trying to manage it and work through it and bite down on that anger as opposed to lashing out. And if you do explode, right, if you have that expurgatory moment, that's totally fine, but let's see the character then acknowledge the fact that they just lost control for a moment and regain their composure and yeah. then monologue you know just biting down hard on that anger and take us on a beautiful journey so yeah. that it's yeah. all just you know it's gonna have so much more impact you know like I, I always think the villain as well right like like on paper maybe the villain or the evil character that you're playing is the you know like you've got this feeling of like, oh, they'll manically laugh and all that stuff. But like sometimes the villain being charismatic and charming and, and yeah. nice to people is so much more effective and jarring than yeah. uh, somebody shouting and screaming at people, right? It's, 
Uh, and then uh, Ben over at the Breach, I uh, love it, bold choices planted in the soil of solid script analysis. Um, yes, mate, that's, that's what I should have said there. That's great, Ben, yes. Uh, um, why don't you uh, videotape yourself doing the monologue and send it to me, send it to Adam, and we'll watch it and we'll give you some feedback. Uh, yes, absolutely. Do it, yeah, happy to. All right, so Adam, Yes, man. This week. Yeah. Next time in two weeks, again, we're going to be talking about relationships, right? Gun to our head. Mm -hmm. We could one technique, just like we did this time. We're going to go through a whole variety of tools and techniques and craft tools in order to create believable relationships. But then if you could only pick one, what might it be? Absolutely. I mean, that was quite a servant of techniques. I, I'm impressed we got through as many as we did in the space of time that we did. Um, so, wow, and very impressive. And I can't wait for the final installment of this gun to the head uh, sort of uh, mini series that we're doing. <laughs> yeah, um, but lovely. Uh, excellent. And guys, thank you so much tonight for people that have joined us and, and asked yes. questions and commented throughout. Like, we, we love it. We, we love to extend this conversation past the, the, the two of us, Jared and I. So thank you. For anybody that's still on, if you want to, as we're just winding down, what, what's your go-to? If you only mm. had one technique, um, if you only had one technique, what would you use to create memorable and dynamic characters? So, yeah, take a moment and uh, type that and send that to us if you would. Uh, Joanne yeah. says, I should do that as well. I'm currently learning a monologue um, from the steamy myself. Yeah, Joanne, absolutely. We're, we are uh, here to help. So you know, record yeah. yourself something, uh, you know, send it to us over whatever, um, you know, uh, Instagram message. We'll take a look. We'll give you some, some thoughts and feedback. Beautiful. And um, FYI, Jared, the Steamy is a great Scottish play, very famous Scottish play over, over here. Does in it the world have of Scotland. strange words in it that I wouldn't understand? Um, probably a few. Yeah, it doesn't have any Buckfast in it, though. No Buckfast. Uh, like a buckfast in Scottish theatre, actually. Uh, now we would choose some Meisner techniques. Uh, great, like um, if you could elaborate on which which ones and, and stuff like. Um, but she's studying Meisner technique. It's very close to Jared and Ice Heart. That isn't it, Jared? I mean, that's our you know, a couple of years in New York, uh, LA. First time I was exposed to Meisner was uh, my uh, I went to a performing arts high school teacher that introduced me to to it back then so yeah Meisner's in in my blood in my veins uh, Archie says I am just starting drama school and I'm learning Meisner for the first time and it's blowing my mind yes Archie well, it's an experience and it? it's uh yeah it's gonna change your world <laughs> yeah enjoy it mate and uh, congratulations on starting the drama school congrats stick, stick with it uh, don't bail on Meisner after a couple of months of repetition exercise because the repetition exercise, if that's all you end up learning about Meisner, you have not learned Meisner technique. It's just a tool to help establish a foundation of a relationship and trust so that you learn how to work truthfully off of each other and live truthfully in the moment. But there's so much to the Meisner technique that's beyond the, the repetition game. So stick with it. Uh, yeah. Joanne, well, you guys have been amazing. 
even when you help me to portray my character from the Peabody Chronicles. Go get him, Joanne. Yes, Joanne. Love it. Um, all righty, people. Um, thank you so much for sharing your uh, craft technique processes. And um, yeah, best of luck in your journey as, as actors. Out there. Don't be strangers. Keep in touch and Keep all joining. that stuff. Yeah, come back every time. Send us messages. If you have ideas for shows that you would like us to, uh, topics for us to cover, just send us messages and we'd be happy to add it to the list. We'd love, love, love to. All right, Jared. Well, as always, my friend, I appreciate you so much, my man. And um, yeah, I felt like that was like four weeks of two guys talking craft, uh, <laughs> love just bursting out there, man. It was, it was great. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, thanks, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Until next time, two weeks' time, we'll be back. See you later, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.